0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning friends and saunterers. Welcome to another saunter. We are in Genesis chapter 2 today which is going to be really fun. And so we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to welcome the Lord and welcome his spirit just to be with us and to open up the words of this incredible book to us to make them make sense and to be living and active in our lives. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Just come and fill us today with your beautiful power, with your presence, and let these words as we read them let them come to life in our hearts and actually do us good let us not just be trying to fill our heads with knowledge but let us be filling ourselves with the living word of God in Jesus name amen good morning Ruth and Kathy and Kev Tracy Ann you are lovely people even though I can't see you face to face I can imagine your loveliness (laughs) Good morning, Floor. Buenos dias. Um, so today we're in Genesis chapter 2, which is really interesting because critics of the Bible will tell you, well, this account of creation seems to completely contradict the one we've just read yesterday. Well, we'll talk about that and we'll discover whether it does or not, and you can decide. But actually, we know, good morning, Rosemary, we know that All scripture, Paul says, is given by inspiration of God, is breathed out by God, by his spirit, and it's profitable and helpful for us to be trained in righteousness and godliness and all that stuff. So we need to get this into us and just reflect on it and let God interpret it and make sense of it to us. So this is really cool. So he says, uh, chapter two, verse one, is like wrapping up the story that we had yesterday. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he'd done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, this is the really interesting little kind of postscript to the story we had yesterday um and it's a good morning fran good morning aaron uh it's it's really just a kind of wrapping up and summing up of the story but it's not just that on its own it's an introduction of the theme of the sabbath now we know that the jewish week was um was building up to the seventh day which was the sabbath which is our saturday sabado in spanish which is the sabbath and it's the day that god said i've finished all i was doing in creation now i'm going to stop i'm going to rest now the idea of rest is that we're tired i don't suppose god was tired from all his work the creation he spoke it into being what was in his heart what he'd imagined in his heart he'd spoke it out and it came to life through the agency of God the Son who we know is Jesus and the Holy Spirit who was brooding fluttering over the chaos and brought it all about and uh, good morning Pat and Mike and so God then when all of that work was done and he'd surveyed it and saw that it was good in fact it was very good good morning George he rested he just stopped work so the idea of the Sabbath is that we at the end of the the week of work we actually rest and we have a day where we're not going about our normal business as per usual and so the idea of work there is not labour as in sweaty grind It's, it's more like the business we've been involved in or the the work that we do the ministry is another good translation of that word apparently is ministry good morning Pete and Sally and so then he says, these are the generations. Oh, so God, God finished his work and he rested and he stood back and enjoyed it. I'm sure that was what he was doing. Verse four and this, sorry, I'm going to stop on the Sabbath. But the the idea of the Sabbath rest becomes a massive, it's, it's instituted as a law in Jewish culture, in the Ten Commandments, but then it be, we understand that the Sabbath itself is a foreshadowing that looks forward to that day when we um, enjoy what Jesus has done for us and we no longer have to kind of try to be righteous and prove ourselves righteous and work hard to be righteous because we receive the gift of the righteousness of Jesus and that becomes... So I know that's that's a theological concept, but it's like... Because of what Jesus has done, we get to rest and we get to rest from trying to be good enough and trying to please God. And Jesus makes us acceptable because of what he's done, which is totally incredible. Good morning, Fliss and good morning, Clive. So verse four, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made the earth and heavens. Now, interesting thing about the Bible, it has a a number of genealogy type of stories and in the old King James it says so-and-so begat so-and-so and he begat blah 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 and they're kind of like a summary they're not to be always understood exactly chronologically and sometimes they're kind of arranged in a pattern that has an incredible mathematical logic to it um, and there is something about that that I don't really understand and scholars have done loads of work on it but this is almost like um, the the writer of the book of Genesis which we understand to be Moses people have said it's Moses as long as I can remember and uh, the 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 idea that this is somehow a documentation of the family of the earth of how the earth and the cosmos and all of that, this is its kind of family line and basically it had its origin in God so we can understand it that way this is like a genealogy of the earth and of the universe and of creation it's how God begat it if you like how God brought it to birth and on in the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens now we've already said it was over six days but now he's saying it is in the day so he's using this language we might That just might be an interesting one to think about as well. Don't have time to go into it. I'm sure people have written books on it. Verse 5. Here we go. Now we have a slightly different story, different version of events coming up. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist... Was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground. The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Let's just pause there for a second because the language has changed. The style has changed and the version of events has changed. So it's clear if we read, we flick back over excuse me to chapter one we can see that the story is different the order of creation is different and now we've got a very much more earth focused kind of thing going on and it it kind of introduces the idea that the man or the adam or dam that god had created adam means man the person the human being that god had created had not yet been made good morning will and uh, so he's saying that there this is a there was a purpose in the creation of the human race and it's like there's a kind of pause button been pressed until the human race is um created and this is like what we can say so in it just one other statement the where it says the Lord God you'll notice in your Bible Lord is small caps so it's cap big capital L small capital O R D and whenever you see that, it's it's the um, English rendering. It's how Bible translators show in English that the name for God there, or the name for Lord, is YHWH, which is Y-H-W-H. Theologians call it the Tetragrammaton. It just means there's four letters. And what the Jews did was they missed out the vowels because they thought the name of God was too holy to be Um, uttered and so they kind of kept that kind of secret so there's something mysterious and kind of holy about even the very name of God and yet this name Yahweh we sometimes call it or Jehovah sometimes Yehovah is sometimes um, referred to the, the this name is the name that God revealed himself to Moses by and we understand it now looking back as being the name of God that is covenantal, that is relational. Will, we're doing Genesis, Genesis chapter two. And we're going to track on through day by day, one chapter at a time, if you want to follow. So, um, so the... So, this is the covenantal name, the relational name of God, if you like. So, God is a God of family. And what we see introduced in chapter two, in my opinion, is God in a relational role to the human being and to the earth. But in chapter one, Elohim, God, big, super, majestic, awesome God, boom, creating the universe. But in chapter 2 and 3 we have this much more relational face of God going on and he's referred to as Yahweh which is the name Moses would have known him by okay or the Lord God and so here we go and so we we're introduced also to the idea so we've one we've got the idea that man the the human being is on the earth for a purpose number two we've got this relational name of God introduced for the first time in the bible and three we have got the introduction of a moral challenge to the human being so there are the two trees in the garden we're introduced to this idea of the two trees that we're all familiar with the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil verse 10 a river flowed out of eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedelum and Onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows out of Assyria and the fourth river is the Euphrates and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now just to say this about the rivers and so on it's interesting because we could be tempted to think of this as an entirely mythical landscape which is all set up in a kind of mythical wafty-wafty got some kind of deep meaning it's a story with a deep meaning but when you hear about the actual geography and the rivers and so on it kind of takes it to a different level and you realize actually what the writer is trying to do is to pinpoint the actual geographical location of the Garden of Eden which obviously following the flood the landscape would have changed the rivers rerouted and all kinds of things probably happened so I don't think it is much future in trying to go and find it Um, but he's saying that this is actually a land that really is there and there are certain characteristics about it there's gold and bedellum I'm not sure what bedellum bedellum is and onyx are there and so and anyway so then God places the man in that garden so the Adam the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and keep it so here we have this sense that god has a relationship with the human being and the human being has a role and a relationship to his or her environment that god has placed them in and their job is to take care of everything that god has made this idea of stewarding now we've already seen that god works he's created the universe that's a big old achievement that's a that's a lot of work. That's a massive achievement. And now he's likewise, he's made the man and the woman in his image and he's placed them in the garden. He's saying, right, you have a job to do as well. You're like me. You have a role. You have a purpose. You're not just an animal that goes along doing what it does to kind of perpetuate its kind on the earth you are here for a higher purpose and and I think what we see in this account is the exceptionality of man so the human being is different it is a it is a we know biologically that we're animals but we are something apart from the general flora and fauna of the earth whoo this is good this is this really does want us to think about it it's not something we should skim over and just kind of be superficial about so right so then verse 16 the lord god commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree in the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day you eat it you shall surely die then the Lord said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a help. I will make him a helper fit for him." It's this idea that, um, wait, what was my footnote here? Corresponding to. So this like this. There's no other creature in this garden or in this cosmos that is actually a corresponding companion for the man now people get upset that it was a man first and all the rest of it rather than a woman or however you want to cut it and people fall out over whether there's a literal adam and eve or not this jesus clearly quoted from this in a second and we'll see that reference and the New Testament doesn't question Adam and Eve. In fact, Paul says that sin came into the world through Adam. So it's like all kind of reinforcing this. There's a, there's a really, there's, that raises lots of questions, particularly to do with the chronology of events, because if death came into the world through Adam, then did animals never die prior to this? You know, and, and there's a whole host of questions that we could ask. I'm not going to try and answer them all. I'm going to throw a few up there for you to think about because I've been thinking about this all my life. I'm not going to tell you how long that is. <laughs> you can look on Facebook. Um, and it says, so God says, right, there's no, there's nothing fit for, there's no fit corresponding helper for this guy, this creature that I've made. And so he's a, he's a kind of breeder part, if you like, now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them so this is the beginning of the science of taxonomy which is called which is classification where we decide it's an animal it's a vegetable it's a mineral and we break it down into kind of sections and so on and it's fascinating and every animal some are very difficult to categorize because some little tiny single cell cellular organisms are very plant-like like they've got chloroplastin but they can move they've got little tails called flagella and they can flick themselves along and so they're kind of like an animal and people don't know which category to put them in and <laughs> don't think of anyone in particular um and uh, so when anyway so whatever man called every living creature that was his name so god didn't set him up with a list and say right this is a giraffe it's up to you guys you're going to call them what you like so the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field but for adam there was not found a helper fit for him not a an appropriate corresponding helper for the man so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and he br- and brought her to the man and the man said this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she should be called woman because she were taken out of man now make of that what you want people have argued to toss feminists get very upset about it and it's all a big drama listen in god in christ there is neither male nor female it's like we're one we have equal status we have different roles but equal status we're equally valuable we all cost the same currency to god that is the blood of jesus we were all paid for at exactly the same price the blood of jesus paid for you and me whether we're male or female and we do need to stop fighting over this stuff and just enjoy enjoy each other in appropriate ways so here we go so this is so adam is delighted he's like whoa finally god you've got it right you've cracked it this is perfect and then here's the one that jesus quotes in verse 24 he says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed so here we have this incredible moment of creation where it's not like the woman's an afterthought. It's not like he's, he's made the man first because the man is so important and he's the guy with the muscles and the brains and all the leadership and all this stuff. It's not about that. It's making a point. That actually there is an interdependency of the sexes that God loves and that God is intended. And there's a sense in which there is the the fulfilment that comes from a man and a woman coming together to be married and to to become literally one flesh. It's like they become one organism together. This is more than just about procreation. Otherwise, he would have just done what he did with all the other species when he made male and female after their kind. You hear what I'm saying? This is really important. He made male and female after their kind of every other species. But when it came to the human being, he made the man first and then he kind of paused. And he kind of said, hmm, it's not good that man should be alone, is it? He wasn't surprised by that. He was making a point that actually there is a tremendous huge joy and benefit of being together and that makes it very hard if we're on our own it doesn't mean we can't have a good life and doesn't mean we can't be productive but there's something very rewarding about the the finding of that soulmate and that person that God wants us to share our lives with and, and who is the kind of counterpart of us and this is very clear God's intention for marriage this is God's biological design but it's also God's moral intention and and there's a there's a kind of there's an important statement in here therefore a man shall leave his father and mother it requires us to grow up and hmm. leave home and establish a new household together it's not about always being perpetually a child and having everything we want, but it's actually about giving ourselves to another one and saying, do you know what, we are, we are one flesh together and God's done this and it's a beautiful thing. We could talk a long time about these things, couldn't we? But I think what, we're, what we can see is this chapter is a different... It's making a very different point to chapter one. Instead of just listing the works of God, it's introducing this idea of relationship. Relationship vertically, as people say, relationship with God, but also horizontally with each other. But also beyond that, kind of globally, the relationship that we have with our environment and with the creatures around us. And God wants, God has put us on the earth. I said it yesterday. God has put us on the earth to be good stewards to take care of it, to take care of each other and to take care of the earth and the little animals and to watch over our own uh, gardens and the birds in the garden and the cat and the dog and all the rest of it, but to show his love and concern for for the whole environment. So that's really important. But there's this moral dimension also added in there of the tree. You can eat of any tree, but you're not to eat of this one. So suddenly... This human being who is none of the other animals, none of the other species had any moral dilemma. They would just go on, get on out there and eat stuff and grow and multiply and fill the earth and everything else and be a, a happy hippo or whatever you are. But for us as human beings, we are given a moral choice right there at the very, very Moment. Somewhere I read a really interesting thing, um, which we can talk about some more tomorrow. I read a really interesting thing this morning where it said, um, Don't blame all of who you are on your circumstances or how your behavior, don't blame all your behavior on your circumstances. Don't forget that Adam sinned in paradise when he had literally a perfect environment. He still chose the wrong choice so don't blame your bad choices on your bad upbringing that may have had something to do with it but don't be blaming it on that let's take responsibility for our own decisions and say god will you forgive me and let what jesus did on the cross wash away all my sin <laughs> have an amazing day do reflect on this stuff and if you've got any comments do post them, but be courteous, obviously, please. <laughs> if you think I'm missing it by a million miles, I'm very happy to hear from you. Um, Jesus, bless us today and just watch over us and let us be good stewards of our relationship with you, our relationship with our immediate family and with our relationship with the earth that we live on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Good morning, Farah. Bye, Kev. Take care. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. and so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with jesus so please if you have not got a copy do buy one you can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores including amazon and others you can buy it from christian bookshops or you can message me and get your own signed copy there you go but do like it and review it because that really really does help thank you so much